Greetings, fellow wonders in the fourth dimension. My name is Owen Foster. Joining me as always is Mr. Mike Mould. Hello, sir. One small thing for a thing, one enormous thing for a thingy. Oh, I don't think they teach kids anything these days. Make sure your granny posts it on Tumblr because we're going to be talking about Kill the Moon. Mm-hmm. And it's another episode, and sort of another Well I Never episode for me. <laughs> this yeah. one. This this um this season sure is throwing out the surprises. I mean, it, it say what you like about it, but it doesn't feel like we've had a dull moment. And again, an episode which we thought was going to go one way kind of mm-hmm. swerved us and went another way. And um, yeah, really interesting because of it. I had sort of high expectations episode. I thought it looked going in. I thought it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Looked like it was going to be a scary one. Yeah. And um, but I must say I was feeling nervous along with the looking forward to it aspect for this week because mm. after last week I was sort of a bit worried about what we were going to get. Mm, you were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Absolutely, I was, yeah. and it, it kind of did, but in a way that. I think that quite a few of us, me included, mm. were sort of going, oh, thank Christ for that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> Clara finally told the doctor where to stick it. Mm. And I think I saw on Twitter that one of one of uh, the people I follow on Twitter said, um, I can't remember anyone telling the doctor to fuck off as hard since Tegan. Mm. Well, I don't even think she did that. No. To be honest. Um, Tegan didn't. She just sort of like went, you know what, I can't, I can't, can't do it anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, to to sort of give the doctor kind of the kind of the what for that I think that he's kind of built up in deserving mm-hmm. um, for the for the for the seven episodes that we've seen, and to kind of not give again not give you an out. It didn't give you that comfort blanket because I thought maybe when Clara went back to her flat mm-hmm. and she's pouring herself a glass of wine, I was waiting for the yeah to come in and they were going to hug and you know make it up, but nope. Nope. We didn't get it. And the teaser for next week, no Clara to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that I know we're kind of jumping ahead to the end. Yeah. yeah but um, I think it was kind of one of the biggest things that came out of this. Well, the biggest thing that's come out of this episode yeah. going forward for the overall story. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has to be, it does feel a little bit like the elephant in the room of the story. Mm-hmm. Again, we're sort of talking about, like we were last week, that not as much, but the. The, the kind of the monster aspect of the story mm-hmm. was secondary to the character aspect of the story. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that sticks out a mile because I think it's verging on unprecedented. Mm, definitely. I mean, when it come, when it came to the argument, this was unlike last week where sort of like everybody was in the wrong. I could sort of like see both sides to this because mm. yeah, the, the doctor's sort of like involvement or lack of it in making the decision it's, it's sort of like an antithesis to where um, uh, Waters and Mars. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? um, he's actually staying out of this one, you know, and, and and quite rightly too, because ultimately, you know, for all Clara says, you know, he, sees, he said himself in his previous incarnation, he's put a lot of work into this planet. He can't be here all the time. And so sometimes you have to make them people step back, like they have to take a step back and make people make their own decisions. Do you know what I mean? He can't come in mm. swooping all the time. I think maybe he was a little bit patronising in the way he did it. I mean, it's like taking the, the what he says about taking the stabilisers off the bike. Absolutely. But in the same way, I can sort of see that from his point of view as a Time Lord because Time Lords have been around for bloody a lot longer than humans probably have. So in a sense, we are still kind of like children in the galactic sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, the way he did it, of course, though, was 
pretty dickish. So I can't disagree oh, with he, Clara. He absolutely did it in the worst possible way. Mm. And I must say, if we're going to do hashtag Team Doctor, hashtag Team Clara, mm-hmm. I'm definitely on hashtag Team Clara at this point. Mm. I mean, absolutely, I couldn't help but nod along with everything she said mm-hmm. in that in the TARDIS at the end, especially when she says, "You involved yourself, mm-hmm. so you can't just pick up and drop us mm-hmm. like this when you've made it your mission." Mm-hmm. to kind of to involve yourself on earth you've walked the planet for so long mm-hmm. that you can't help but be and to just drop it like that and then sort of then cast judgment on the choice mm-hmm. that they make as if they're like oh you know pat you on the head and sort of say you know better luck next time mm-hmm. it's absolutely bullshit and she's dead right to call him out on it yeah oh, no, i know i i totally <laughs> agree on that respect as well mm. you know it's it's and Yes, they're, they're also they're both sort of so right, but because of the like, the oil and water nature of the the personalities in the, in this mm. sense now, watching that scene was kind of brutal actually. It was it was really brutal, and I think that in a way I don't know if they planned it this way, but in the UK these episodes are going out at eight thirty, mm. which is as late as Doctor Who has ever gone out ever in its whole entire history. Yeah. So and this felt like a much more mature episode mm-hmm. like the sort of thing you would get half an hour before the watershed which for people who don't know the watershed is uh the nine o'clock cut off time you can have swearing and boobs in in uh tv programs mm-hmm. and yeah i mean because although there was very mild swears of bloody and that sort of thing for it to be several times mm-hmm. and for this kind of very adult set of ideas mm. to be being thrown around it i wonder if they sort of knew they'd be going out later in the night so they'd be able to put these things out. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I'm a person who fucking hates spiders. (laughs) And the spiders, I know there were bacteria, but the very spider-looking aliens that we Mm -hmm. had in these things were horrible. Yeah. It's good uh, timing on the BBC to to start doing the series at this time of the year, you know, when it's starting to get colder and all the spiders come into the house for the warmth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, having having had to dispose of several monstrous house spiders this year... (laughs) Thank you, mild winter of 2013. Um, yeah, they were... It was. I think it was the movement. Mm. It was the kind of flailing legs that you get with the house spiders, which mm. I re- is the thing I hate most about spiders. Yeah, it really kind of... My ick factor went... Ugh. And my husband is an arachnophobe thanks to Planet of the Spiders. <laughs> um, he, he has vivid berries. I've seen that as a child, scared him to death mm-hmm. and um, wasn't able to look at a spider for years. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, so thanks to Doctor Who for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it was really kind of an, quite an icky, an icky monster. And in the past where we've had spider-like creatures, they've all there's been this matter in the BBC you're not allowed to make them very realistic mm-hmm. because of real-life arachnophobes who have to, you know, sit and watch these things. Mm-hmm. It, it's always been that they look a bit kind of shit, so make them less realistic. Whereas these ones... Because you only got little glimpses of them, and you had the red and the, sort of the predator mouth mm. and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it was. They, I think they're about the most scary spider things they've had on there, and they were. I found them quite effective. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's interesting that they're not sort of like they, they've got played up a lot in like the the teasers and that. Yeah, but they're really a very minimal part of the story. It's really the the, uh, the space dragon. But, uh, yeah, the the space dragon. Yeah. A lot of consternation about the space dragon. Oh, fuck um, me. Do you think? Yeah, Mike. 
Sorry. <laughs> have you been reading the comments again? Maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. I mean, it is. It, I've, you know, I can't hold my hands up. You know, uh, it is scientific garbage, obviously. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't just have a thing and add mass. I'm sure that's not allowed. I don't. I don't know. But to be honest, the the, the whole sort of I. I must be a lot more forgiving about science and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I am, but it, it, it's a thing of like, you know, we're watching, like I always say, we're watching a programme about a bloke who time travels in a big blue box. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit, really? But, I mean, I think that there is sort of a cut-off where your your sort of sense of disbelief kind of gets ruined, if you like. Oh. Kind of, it sort of penetrates your shell of believing what you're seeing and... I think this sort of one kind of came up to it. Mm. Um, I mean, I was fine with it being a big space dragon and it sort of flying off, but it left an identical egg moon. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird thing. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I mean, I mean, that was it. I mean, because you sort of did think that, well, they are on a hiding to nothing here because they have to do a heck of a lot of retconning if it's just a hologram moon or something the Doctor put there. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it's a lot of people sort of going, oh, no, what does this do to continuity? Well, it doesn't really do very, very much. Because... And do anything to the continuity because they replaced it with an identical space egg. Yeah. Moon yeah. thing. Uh, I, 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 well, well, I don't really know what to say about it because, I mean, it's, I didn't, uh, yeah, the, the new moon thing was a bit sort of out of nowhere, but yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, you, you sort of buy it, but I mean, I think that, like I say, people, I think that a few people's kind of suspension of disbelief Ooh. kind of got thrown out a bit. And I think that's why there was that was sort of what caused the consternation about it, because normally you can just sort of go with it. But then, you know, I don't know if it's so much thrown out, but more so like took a torpedo to the face. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I accept that as well. I can't I can't really fault that line of reasoning either, to mm. be honest. Um what did you think of Courtney in this episode? A lot better, I thought, because it's, yeah. she she did get some like very nice moments. Because I notice out of all of the well surviving cast, she's the only one who never brings up killing the space dragon. She's, no, she's, she's she's never the one who like makes that an option. No, yeah. I mean I did wonder if she was going to be in the ah kill it camp. Hmm. What I found interesting was the of the surviving cast. Mm-hmm. The ones who are left to decide the fate of a baby are three women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if it's another touch of the sexism's there, Moff, that because it's a child, that the the ones who are left to make that decision are the women. But I found it quite interesting. I think this might be the only time that we've had like of just a female cast mm. like that in Who. So I mean, I, I was interested in that, and I love Hermione Norris. She does these kind of fragile damaged people really well and mm. she just she brought the wood in this episode i thought she was great yeah um actually i was um, reading on uh, there's a, a a thread on gallifrey base um it's looking at sort of, like the symbolism of this episode and um when you have like the three women deciding over the fate of the planets like there's the traditional norse symbols of fate the maiden the mother and the crone calling me the teenage girl clara the schoolmistress mother to her class you know and when there was that bit where she says you know call me clara and Courtney says, I prefer Miss Miss. And then you had um, Hermione Norris's character, who is like, who's effectively fits the crone role, it's the retired astronaut and you've ever had children. Which I thought mm. was, it's, I mean, this this is actually like pretty jam packed when you sort of like think it through. 
Yeah, especially, I mean, especially if you yeah. read this thread on Gallifrey Base, I do recommend if anybody's got an account on Gallifrey Base, go check this uh, uh, thread out called "The Moon Is a Harsh Mirror," because it, it's it is jam packed. I'll say that's a really interesting way of looking at it, and mm. yeah, um, I'm all for being able to to pick out things like that out of who. I think that's that's really great. Um, yeah, really interesting idea, and uh, say it was that 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 aspect of it was really refreshing mm. um i really like i mean again it's one of those things of you're given like a like an overview but the the world history like the world building is really rich mm. like the the whole thing about that they've had to bring the space shuttle out of a museum and stick the back end back on and the <laughs> only people who are astronauts are these older people and mm. you know all this sort of thing so when you sort of dig into the the world building of it it's very it's it's sort of a blink and you miss it in the episode but when you sort of go back and pick these things out mm-hmm. you can really sort of build a like a time, especially if in the, since 2005, build a real timeline of how humanity moves from where we are now mm-hmm. into space and beyond. Yeah, it also sort of ties, um, when you think about it, into the waters of Mars, when Adelaide mentions about all the sort of crises that have been happening on Earth mm. um, before Bowie Base 1 was uh, built. And that you can sort of like see how humanity also like partly got fed up about going into space and decided not to bother because they had all these, this shit to deal with on Earth. But it was the birth of the space dragon that sort of made them go, oh, hang on. And then it tied back into Waters of Mars. You had Bowie Base 1 and um, how Adelaide sacrificed herself, spoilers, actually like, helped her granddaughter like, re-like, pioneer humanity's departure into space. So it also like, it does, really does tie in. Yeah. And actually, I wonder if we're going to get more with the fact that um, Oswald, was it Oswald? The um the person we met in um listen. Uh oh yeah, um, um Oh yeah, um yeah, um Danny's grandson. Descendant. Yeah, descendant. I mean, because again, if you listen if you listen to the episode and saying about he's one of the first people who goes one of the first time shots. Mm-hmm. So one of the first time travellers that humanity sends. Yeah. So again, the whole idea of humanity expanding its horizons because of things opening its eyes to mm. I mean, the idea that the outside is extremely dangerous, but also extremely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Rewarding. Yeah, it, absolutely it is. Yeah. Just almost despite the dangers, which in 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 a way, like you can you can see that where this idea, I could definitely see in 2049 that we would be completely disinterested in, mm-hmm. in space as a concept. I mean, like I say, the space shuttles are in museums now. Yeah, and, um, you know, NASA's still trying to like do stuff, but it's like it's turn into like third parties to get people up into space and we've never really gone any further than the space station. Well, went to the moon, but that's about it. We're bored of the moon apparently now. Yeah. Haven't been back there for all the, you know, unless the Chinese effort this year. Mm. But, um, you know, America and Russia and all that sort of thing. I must say, I was half, I was was sitting on the sofa watching it and when they were going, walking across the moon before they discovered anything, I was like, Nazi moon base, Nazi moon base, Nazi moon base, Nazi moon base. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um... (laughs) One thing um, I sort of, sort of like, wonder about this episode is um, if you take sort of, like the TARDIS crew out of the equation, mm. how do you think this would have gone down? Obviously, this must be some sort of paradox because obviously the decision has, decision has to be made and obviously, you know, the moon still disintegrates and the space dragon gets born. But like if it had just been Lundvik and a crew just like going to the moon, presumably that must have either failed 
or it, it, it kind of like sort of wonders what would have happened had the TARDIS crew you, never got there. Do you know what you I mean? You can only assume that from the timeline that the Doctor describes, mm-hmm. it was a predestination paradox. Mm-hmm. They're always going to end up there yeah. and set the sequence of events in motion. Yeah. Or they say the the other thing is that the TARDIS crew doesn't arrive. What I mean, the only reason they the, the crew know, or what's left of the crew, which is Lundvik, mm-hmm. knows that the, there is a baby inside the moon is that the doctor shows them Hmm. if they'd never had that information you presume they would have all been killed by the bacteria Mm -hmm. eventually and then um the the moon would have uh given it would have hatched and uh, sequence of events would have continued as normal Hmm. it's Hmm. it's interesting as well because the doctor seems to be he really also i mean obviously the story kind of dictates his attitude to Hmm time travel and his level of interference but he always oscillates between this thing of you know like tom baker's doctor says you know of course we should interfere mm-hmm. um and between can being completely hands-off make your own decisions he's he's gone he always seems to oscillate between these between these kind of two poles mm-hmm. and actually it was it what's interesting is that there's kind of lots of lots of quotes and callbacks to pyramids of mars mm-hmm in this and really it's where the doctor is doing the exact opposite of what we're seeing here mm-hmm. in the, you know, again, Sarah Jane challenges the doctor says, well, look, I know the, the world doesn't end in 1980 mm-hmm. and, you know, we land and we see what would happen if Sutek got out mm-hmm. and, exactly, and, and, you know, we have Clara saying, look, I know the moon doesn't blow up in 2049. I've been beyond that. Mm-hmm. And the doctor saying, oh, really? Things are fuzzy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a bloody magic eight ball, come but ask again later. <laughs> it's a, it seems to be. I don't know if this is kind of a new one of his new powers. He was kind of demonstrating mm. uh, on the beach, um, the uh, spectacularly unflooded beach at least, considering what was happening to the moon. But that's by the by. That he sort of seems to go into like a little mystic mega trance. I really like that. Actually, the, I liked it and sort of see the timeline. Mm. But I, it's not something he's really shown off before. So I wonder if it's just like a twelfth Doctor thing. He could be doing it for effect, of course. He could be doing it for effect, of well, course. That you know, it's up for debate. Did he know all along? Hmm. I. That's that's a good question as well because I. I always sort of like feel like the Doctor can see, you know, not just like the timeline, but sort of like just enough of like alternate branches of the timeline, but yeah. not enough to make it like clear. Because the the thing with this one is like a lot of people were saying, you know, like it's not fair on Clara to make the decision. She didn't have all the details, but a lot of times when you have like decisions like these, I mean, you don't, you're not going to get all the details. So you have to sort of like instinctively, effectively, it's it's more sort of like gut instinct than a lot of people seem to realise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. But ultimately, the Doctor's kind of putting this huge, I mean, unbelievable decision on Clara's shoulders. Mm. And you do sort of think, well, what has she done to deserve this this kind of treatment from him and you, you again you just the doctor seems to especially in these sort of later incarnations seems to seems to kind of indulge in what in the army in the uk they sort of call a bottle test so i think you, the gut check would be the kind of us equivalent mm-hmm. it, he sort of wants to know what companions are made of mm-hmm. so he would just sort of leave them to do a thing and sort of see how they get on the test that adam fails with spectacular results mm-hmm. um and with Clara, you know, you sort of know that she's the right stuff. Mm-hmm. So why he sort of feels the need to kind of dump on her to this degree, I don't really understand, I must say. And like Danny 
sort of says right at the end it happened that the the push the final push came and it was too much and too right because imagine having to make that decision and having mm. no idea what would happen yeah should we mention uh danny at the end there because let's uh, mention that i was you know i was waiting to just because this is apparently shit on clara mm-hmm. season i was waiting for like you didn't come immediately and tell me that he pushed you too far we're you're dumped <laughs> yeah i was waiting for that but i mean he seemed to be like you know i he seems to have like a level of insight into Clara that for me doesn't quite seem earned, but apparently, you know, we're, we're sort of feeling like quite a lot of time has passed in, Mm. in between stories. So we don't really know how long they've been a couple, but um, yeah, I think obviously that he recognizes in Clara similar to what happened to him in the army, but Mm. obviously that she's not quite ready to, to fully close the book on it. Yeah. She's almost still waiting for that sort of the one last chance Mm-hmm. Well, it's like he says, you, you're still angry and you you know you're not done when you can still be angry with someone. But um, the bit when he says, like, tell him when you come and then tell me, that I, I, I sort of like, sort of had a bit of a, hmm? Mm, sort of moment. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's, I don't know whether it's just still like a holdover from it's what happened. It's a hangover from the caretaker, yeah. Yeah, or whether it's something a bit more sinister, but it's just like... That's all I got. Uh, hmm, okay. <laughs> all right then. Yeah, I mean, this kind of thing of like subs, almost sort of like you are not the, you don't really know what you think. I know what you think. Mm-hmm. Sort of feeling. Again, I don't know. Like you say, it might just be because sort of some of the ick that we both felt from the caretaker is sort of bleeding into this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it'll be a case of I'm quite interested to not only to see next week, not only for the story, but also to kind of see, are they going to be really brave with the Clara stuff and hold her out for the entire episode? Hmm. So we have a truly Clara-less week, or are we going to get like a bookend with a doctor kind of take something out of the episode that kind of makes him think, you know, I was wrong or I need to talk to Clara about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about this actually, because by the sense that obviously next week is going to have very little Clara in it, but the following episode, Flatline, reading the synopsis of it, it sounds like the doctor's in it very little, so yeah. I'm kind of wondering whether these next two episodes... The Clara Light and the Doctor Light, like we yeah. used to have back in the old days. Yeah, so like show like how they sort of get on separate. Yeah. But because of events that happened, that like transpired during those two, it makes, it makes me wonder whether the... You know, since one of the like minor occurring themes throughout this series has been, you know, somebody's trying to keep us together... So obviously we've had this split and now we've got the next episode where it's mostly the Doctor and then the following episode which is mostly Clara. I'm just wondering whether the two events in those so like make them sort of like realise that ultimately they do sort of need each other still. Absolutely. And the thing that I something that I keep coming back to is something that happened in deep breath, actually. Mm. Um the fact that you have this this thing of the doctor being a complete amnesiac and not really knowing what he is, and the next and then the scene cuts, and the next time you see him, mm-hmm. he's completely back together again. Yeah. So I wonder if there was something that happened in that gap mm-hmm. that has informed his later behaviour or something like that. Or has yeah. it, it you know, it, it may inform something that we didn't know in this whole run of episodes. Because I keep sort of coming back to that because it doesn't quite jibe right with me. Mm, it yeah, just seems I mean. a little bit like, you know, convenient that he's like, oh, suddenly I've got all his faculties back. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, mm. yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, it might be a thing of 
it's necessary. I wonder if they're going to sort of bring it back that Clara and the Doctor do kind of come to some sort of consensus mm-hmm. and that re- sort of rebuild their relationship, mm-hmm. or if it's just going to be a case of like you know the sort of the one last job mm-hmm. sort of sort of thing. At the very least, I think maybe what we would expect is maybe it's like a more amicable parting. Yeah, so they do I, go the separate I, ways, but at least there's this separates you know on better terms, terms than, yeah. on, than it did in this episode. Yeah, I was quite interested at the end actually after the. After the Doctor kind of takes in what Clara says and he sort of, you know, sort of stands and thinks about it for a minute and then disappears out of uh, out of view, mm-hmm. I was trying to read kind of what his face was saying and it was quite an interesting mix of, like, um, sadness mm-hmm. but also a sort of profound lack of understanding in his face. Like, he couldn't understand why she'd gone off on this, this kind of rant. Mm. I think it goes back to, like, his case of... He's he's got good intentions about like leaving humanity to make to make its decisions. I think he just went about it the wrong way, and that's kind of why he's got that sort of excitement because he knows deep down he's he's kind of fucked it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but again, going back to deep breath, you know, this doctor, um, I think Vastra said it. Um, you know, he's no longer wearing the mask. Do yeah, you know what I mean, like his last two incarnations appeared youthful, so he could get people to accept him. But so like now, so like the the shields are down. You know, he's he's just been himself, and that's kind of he's kind of lost himself in like being, you know, being so utterly alien. He's kind of forgotten that you know he's he's very he, it's very easy for him to like hurt people. Yeah, absolutely, it is. But I still I'm still having sort of not struggling with this doctor, but I'm sort of I'm sort of interested in the way that Moffat's kind of directing this season i mean mm. again it's it's fine and good for for us you know people who've been around forever mm-hmm. but um with this i mean he's kind of challenging the viewers sort of the passive viewers at home mm-hmm. to sort of you know like say challenging the expectations but it's something that i came that i was talking about last week that we have to believe in this guy mm-hmm. and you know, you can challenge, but like say, sort of the most extreme end, say Waters of Mars. Mm-hmm. You can you can sort of take that character to that de- that sort of degree, mm-hmm. but at the end of the episode, he sort of come right back, mm-hmm. and we're sort of back on board with him again. And you know, at the time of broadcast, Waters of Mars was shocking mm-hmm. for that sort of thing that happened in that episode. But um, say the way that we left with it we were left with the doctor we were sort of on we was feeling sympathy for him we were back on board again we sort of understood but with this doctor it, it sort of you know this this kind of progression they're going through mm-hmm. you you sort of still have to root for this guy and you have to believe in what he's doing i mean because there's been many occasions in who where the doctor's kind of said a thing the companion's been like no no this is wrong this is that it or you know you've got to make this decision but ultimately you come down on the side of the doctors you know he's right Mm -hmm. but with this it's real hard to root for him and to agree with his position Mm -hmm. so i mean i i I, again like i was saying in the in the care our review of the caretaker I I think that they've they played it dead right with this episode, mm-hmm. and I think that they might they were going to do the right thing again with next episode because like I said last week I wanted like do what you want with this one but mm-hmm. we need to have some like some energy and some like adventure I think mm-hmm. and it looks like that's what we're going to get next week on on the out of looking at the trailers mm-hmm. but 
they have got to be so cautious about how they play this doctor's progression Mm -hmm. because you need to keep people on board with him. You can't, there's only so long you can trade on the goodwill and the good feelings we have from 10 and 11. Mm. I kind of wonder whether this is like the whole point about the doctor's characterization in this series. Like he has to sort of like fall so far before he, maybe that is the plan. It's just like, no, he's not like take it to the levels of like the sixth doctor. who was Mm. just generally unpleasant, but you know, ultimately, uh, underneath it all, the Doctor's searching for the answer, am I a good man? Yeah. And I think, again, like like Clara said in Into the Dark, you know, he tries to be. But I think when he when he tries to be, it, it's it's kind of like blown up in his face slightly. Yeah. So it's not so much that he's, he's trying to be a good man. It's just he's still going about it the wrong way. So he has to sort of like... So I hope it's like some point during the season, there'll be a point where he sort of goes, all right, you know what... He holds and he holds his hand up. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, I think that's something that we we might get towards. Mm. But I do wonder, looking forward, and I don't want to spoil it for people who sort of don't know episode titles. But looking forward to the end of the season and mm. looking at what episodes are called and things, I wonder at what price this is going to come at. Mm. And I do, I do think it might be an extremely high price. Yeah. And I mean, all something, I mean, but with this doctor, I mean, like I say, I'm sort of, it, it feels like I'm, I'm sort of shitting on his characterization. I'm not, I think it's a really, you know, it's, you can only do kind of the zany kind of old, you know, walking in eternity, God mm-hmm. kind of thing so much. And by trying to switch up that characterization, I think they, they have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get those little glimpses of the doctor, we kind of know, I mean, cause jumping into that hole of bacteria armed only with a yo-yo and a bottle of Dettol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the doctor right there. Yeah. And I was grinning from ear to ear when he went in there mm-hmm. and I was like, that's when he comes back and he's so excited about what he's found, all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then he brings up the picture of the, of the baby and says it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is pure doctor at work. Yeah, but then you know you get the thing of like immediately Ludwig says we have to kill it, and the look on look on Jenna Coleman's face mm-hmm. I thought was really good. I you know it's one of those ones of when when you're in a group like if you're out at the pub or you're with friends or something, mm-hmm. and someone in the group pushes like the other person's berserk button, mm-hmm. that's the face you do. You go oh no please don't bring that up. Like when someone yeah. brings up like you know it's Christmas dinner and someone mentions politics, you're like oh no. Yeah. You know, with like in your racist aunties there, or something. You know, what I mean, it was like that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was as soon as she said that, I was like, "Oh fuck!" And I'm sure that everyone at home said, "Well, not in my fruity language." Said, "Oh mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. why did you have to say that?" Because you know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to go mental mm-hmm. as soon as you said that. But it's it's interesting. I think the thing that stuck out above everything else with this episode. Is that uh, no? In no way could I envisage anyone else doing this episode apart from the twelfth Doctor. Mm. Yeah, this, I, I read something. This was supposed to be an eleventh Doctor story, and I just thought, yeah. no, I, 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 I can't, I can't see this sort of thing being an eleventh Doctor. Absolutely sort of not. You could, you could never doctor, imagine it because the eleventh Doctor would have stuck around. Maybe even if he didn't make the decision himself, he would have like you know appealed to everybody. To the best that it can be, but the twelfth Doctor just like goes figure it out yourself. I'll read you the thing that's on the on the wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode was originally written for Matt Smith's eleventh Doctor. The an early working title of the episode was Return to Sarn. Mm. However, this is intended to be misleading. While Breathing Harness, who wrote this episode, how to write the script, executive producer Stephen Moffat told him to Hinchcliffe the shit out of the first half. 
<laughs> meaning essentially to make it frightening mm. um moffat called the script intense and emotional and it was said the episode would see a large change for the show i don't know how people will take it yeah so mm. <laughs> well the episode i mean i must say i mean we're over the halfway point mm-hmm. uh with this season now which seems ludicrous to me it's gone so quick mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that sort of the half-time assessment, if you will. Mm -hmm. This has got to be kind of the most unusual, Mm. challenging season of Doctor Who, certainly since 2005 and maybe since I sat and watched the Sixth Doctor episodes. Yeah, absolutely, because the stuff they're bringing up... Yeah, um... I mean, it's big shit as well. I mean, you know, I can't imagine being eight watching this. Mm. I expect there's some parents having some uncomfortable discussions at home. (laughs) Yeah. But do you know what? I mean, for all like, people are like really getting polarised about it, uh, on the whole, you know, the caretaker aside, this has been a really solid season so oh, far. Oh, it's been a tremendous season so far, I think. I mean, mm. I'd say we've had one episode that, you know, both me and you didn't care for, but I mm. think a lot of people did like, you know, from beginning to end. And like I say, I think, I mean, considering how... I did. I did think at this point, especially considering what we've seen, mm. I did think I'd be seeing a lot more people saying, "I'm done with this show." Yeah, and I really haven't. I think that although it's one of another one of Moffat's trademark mysterious women mm-hmm. um, in Missy mm-hmm. um, as the overarching story, I think that the Capaldi Coleman kind of connection and the storyline that they're taking is keeping people tuning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly thought after this one, I mean, especially really the internet comments, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was expecting a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who like absolutely hated this episode, but I've, I don't really recall anybody saying that's it, I'm done. Yeah, I don't really. Which is, um, which is, is really remarkable. Yeah, which is, we, honestly, I would have thought, you know, given like the science, quote unquote, of this episode, which that, that seemed to be the biggest sticking point for people again. Yeah. Is that the the science of it all which yeah it's complete arse but you know um, i mean it, 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 it's sort of a thing of is this science fiction is this science fantasy which is a whole big discussion which i'm not going to really touch with the barge pole but mm. um i think that with with the science stuff your mileage will vary and you know if it really kind of ruins your sense of disbelief that much then that's kind of that's in your court i think but mm. Fundamentally, like I say, I think it's the drama aspect which is sort of keeping people coming back, mm. sort of regardless of what you think about kind of the monsters. It does feel like that this season the monster element has been really quite secondary to the character stuff. Yeah, it has really. I mean, even the Dalek episode. Mm. Yeah. There you go, something to chew on for, next, <laughs> for till next week, which um, at the moment looks like it might be a bit of a romp, but we'll see. Mm. I, I've noticed the um, the start time for that is like five minutes later than Kill the Moon was. Yeah, 8.35, which is uh, in the whole 50-plus year history of Doctor Who is as late as Doctor Who has ever been on. So I'm, I'm so, wondering if we're going to get some really scary shit in this one. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. That'd be awesome. I, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks awesome, um, but... Um, Really, that they've sort of cut the trailers in quite an interesting way this year, in that mm-hmm. they really don't give you much of a clue, yeah. or that, like like this week, they really sort of take you in a direction that you you didn't think you would go in. So yeah, watch the movie in like for five minutes. <laughs> Next episode. <Yeah. laughs> Oi! So the scores. I'm gonna give this one an eight. 
I don't. I, I didn't. In I'm not that like I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was great, but it wasn't for me quite as good as Listen for me. Mm. Uh, but you know, by no means a bad episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought the supporting cast were great. Jenna Coleman knocking out the park again. Peter Capaldi incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so an eight. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, Shonky Science side. It was great. Yeah. I mean, do you mean say what you will? I thought that bits where like they're on the beach and you can see like the moon breaking apart in the distance. I thought that was like really. I thought that was very cool looking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, we'd like to hear what you thought about Kill the Moon. You can email us at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. Um, also, you can visit us on our Facebook page, uh, which Emma runs, if you'd be so kind to tell people about that. Yep, head over to the Greatest Show in the Galaxy podcast. Um, just pop that in the search bar of Facebook. Go over and check us out. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter as well at Greatest Show Pod. While you're on Simply Syndicated, do check out all the other shows. We've mentioned them all before. Do check out Simply Everything. And with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And we shall talk to you next week.